touchdown in overtime. And then give me the Pats by at least 14. I'll give my picks on Thursday's show on behalf of Dalton Bataki. I'm Leo Blavin, wishing you a good night and a go blue. You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, located from the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Okay, well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Nice and frosty out there today. And it doesn't seem to be getting much lighter yet either. <laughs> no. Well, it's... It, it is, is, of course, it slowly, is slowly, slightly, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about the math, it's almost like... Uh, around Thanksgiving in terms of sunlight, but uh, the temperatures are quite yeah. different uh, on January 18th than they were on uh, January 26th, or November 26th, or whatever day it was. Anyway, uh, kind of a very active week with lots of strange stories. We're not going to talk about Sean Penn and El Chapo. Powerball was a, a bizarre story for days on end. Uh, and uh, count me in as a conspiracy theorist, but uh, I think that was done to help a bunch of uh, state budgets around the uh, United States of America. Well, certainly that would seem to be the case because the uh, late entries of desperate individuals trying to uh, grab the brass ring there. I mean, this is gambling addictions. Yeah. <laughs> These are the people who uh, are floating that. Well, you buy one. And hope you get lucky, in my opinion, if the uh, jackpot gets up to $550 million, like it did one day. I did buy the $2 ticket. I didn't know anything about the Powerball hysteria, but there was a, I was at a party store downtown, and a woman in front of me was spending $20. And I was like, 
on lottery tickets? And she goes, oh, yeah, the jackpot's up to $500 million. I was like, oh, really? Then I heard about the odds, $280 million to one. I said, you know what? At $500 million, that's about a, that's not a bad investment for two bucks. <laughs> for two bucks, sure, but for 20 bucks. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you magnify that to multiply that by thousands. And then there's people who threw down more than 20 bucks. So I knew once it got over a billion that there were going to be several winners because that's the way it works. <laughs> but as usual, mostly losers. Mostly losers. Many, many losers. I guess it made for interesting uh, camaraderie for <laughs> a couple of uh, weeks there when the Powerball got way up out of control. Barack Obama, State of the Union. I thought it was a pretty masterful performance on his part, and I think that it might be appropriate on MLK Day to talk a little bit about Barack Obama's legacy, because I think that was kind of what the speech was about. Uh, I don't even know why he bothered with the laundry list, because the GOP uh, leaders in Washington are not going to do anything. They're already running for re-election. No, but I think it might have been, in part at least, uh, just to rub their faces in it a little bit and say, well, you know, despite the blind opposition uh, or the complete disregard for conventional discourse, which leads to compromise, we've still gotten a few important things done. Yeah. And I thought Obama's best line was by far the uh, the only people in America that have uh, jobs with 30 years of uh, job security and health care benefits <laughs> and pensions and whatnot are you guys sitting in this room. And I'm saying that to include women, of course. You guys like you guys all. Y'all, yeah. Y'all. Uh, th that was pretty good. <laughs> and then the joke about a couple of you want to get back to Iowa, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it, it seemed as lighthearted as you've ever seen him uh, be in a in a presentation of this uh, this kind. Yeah, nice and relaxed. Upbeat, I, I thought positive. that he also laid down the gauntlet that he's going to be a, a factor in the 2016 presidential mm -hmm. election. Uh, I think he is interested in, quote, defending his legacy. And I think that his legacy is much better than uh, the media are giving him credit for, in my opinion, mainly in the area of foreign policy. Uh, how interesting that we get a sort of historical agreement with Ir Iran over the week. Um, of course, there's been some criticism about the hostage swap, but uh, that struck me as a wise move by the American government. I don't think it, quote, encourages more hostage-taking in the Middle East because if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, there's all kinds of radical Islamic groups that are taking hostages in the Middle East. Uh, it's part of the modus operandi of a terrorist organization. So I, I don't think that adds any risk to Americans uh, in the Middle East. They're already at plenty of risk for all kinds exactly. of reasons. Um I think, you know, uh, it's interesting, a couple of weeks ago before the global warming agreement, I heard four experts discussing Obama's legacy on um, BBC, and they were listing Iran uh, as well as the nuclear weapons agreement with Russia, mm -hmm. which people forget about. I think he's got uh, the global warming 
consensus moving in the right direction globally on that. I think he has gotten most of the troops out of Iraq. He's resisted uh, starting a war in Syria, though clearly the United States is uh, attacking targets here and there. Pointed out that uh, there have been over 10,000 airstrikes in Syria against ISIL. Um, I think that uh, numerous terrorists have been picked off. I don't know what, what that does at the end of the day. But I thought that it was interesting, once again, that he emphasized that ISIL is simply not an existentialist threat to America. And they're not. They have some light artillery. They are uh, occupying a few cities in the uh, chaotic uh, regions of uh, northeastern Syria and northwestern Iraq. Those borders have broken down for all intents and purposes. And there seems to be some amnesia about even the troops being in Iraq. There's this new allegation that Obama got the troops out of Iraq too soon. He didn't. The status forces agreement was negotiated by President Bush. Uh, the United States had some insistences about criminal liability that the Maliki government wouldn't agree to. Mm -hmm. So the idea that because we took the, most of the troops out of Iraq, obviously there are special forces over there still, I think has overall been a success. Obviously, there's been some problems with the red line. <laughs> uh, immigration is sort of a incomplete uh, situation, but uh, there's no evidence that Obama's been particularly lenient, as the numbers show. Deportations are way up. Saw an item in the uh, Harper's Index about the number of actual children allowed into the United States under Obama under the U.S. refugee program created in 2014 for Central America. 4,029 people have applied. Number of children accepted to date, zero. <laughs> Those are the facts, of course. That, that all gets lost in the uh, chit-chat uh, presidential candidates using their talking points. Incomplete policies for Obama? Sure. Uh, I think Obamacare's got a lot of question marks and problems that emerged yet again in the uh, Democratic debate last night with it kind of emerging as an interesting fact that Hillary Clinton is going to hitch her wagon to Barack mm -hmm. Obama. Indeed, I don't know yeah. what you thought of that. Well, I think it's something that she's been wanting to do, but waiting to, you know, make more clear. Um, and I think in the wake, uh, partly that uh, State of the Union address gives her uh, the opportunity to do so. Um, would a single payer health care system be better at the end of the day? Almost certainly, yes. Yes. But I think her point is well taken that. We just don't happen to live in a country that has a sophisticated uh, capacity to uh, consider uh, thoughtful new policies. Uh, right. It would be a, an uphill struggle of another decade or so. Uh, and even then, you might not get any closer to it. So 
sometimes, as Winston Churchill says, uh, democracy is the worst form of government except all the others. Indeed. And, of course, uh, that is Bernie Sanders' position, and that's to his credit. Uh, I think that's obviously the long-term goal for the United States uh, to go in, but that's not going to happen uh, with the current makeup of Congress. And there's little evidence that uh, the Democrats will probably pick up a few seats here and there, but there's no evidence that there will be a massive landslide type of election, not in this environment. Um, I think that Bernie, you know, the race is probably tightened a little bit, but not nationally, not much. I think Bernie is going to do well in uh, both Iowa and New Hampshire. He should do well in those states. Iowa has uh, <clears throat> very limited participation in these much ballyhooed caucuses. Uh, one thing, by the way, that's always unpredictable is what the weather is going to be like. Uh, Which will, of course, be a big factor. But when you look at the, the numbers of the people who live in the state of Iowa relative to the numbers who vote in the caucus, it's shockingly low. Well, how many people are going to go out to a caucus for th two or three hours on uh, a day where it might be 10 below zero? Right. It's been colder in Iowa over the last several days than it has here in Michigan. And it's been plenty cold here. Um, Ted Cruz had a pretty good debate, if you're looking at the Republican debate. But uh, he had a pretty bad week. <laughs> it emerged that he's got some shaky uh, financial. Oh, Willikers, I forgot to declare that million-dollar gift from Goldman Sachs. And then, of course, he's talking— It was in my other pants. He's talking about New York values over and over but it, see, that's the, exactly the sort of comment that he'll continue to make comments like that. No politician can can say such things and then hope to pick up votes in those states. Right. And what he means by New York values are pretty much just northern big city values in general. Uh, diversity, uh, interest in the arts. <laughs> Well, I don't even know what the New York values means. Uh, New York is a big state. It's got a lot of diversity. Sure. When within somebody, itself. Yeah. When somebody like him says New York values, it's code. It means, yeah. you know, liberal, gay, friendly, uh, Jewish, intellectual. I mean, it's all the old, you know, commies type stuff. Ow, New Yorkers. You is, he, know. is he attacking Broadway? Is he attacking Wall Street? I, I don't really know. I mean, Bernie is unabashed in attacking Wall Street. And that's, but when you attack Wall Street, you say Wall Street. You don't say New York. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's going to work uh, with sure. a segment of the Democratic uh, voter base. There's no question about that. But how well that transfers into a general election, I'm a little unclear about. Um, Hillary Clinton has obviously taken buco bucks uh, for giving speeches. So what? Uh the last time I checked, lots of presidents have done that. Lots of former first ladies have done Indeed. that. Indeed, that's just one of those kind of. Eh, it's a little bit of a phony issue. That's not really an issue. I think Hillary's given three speeches. Um, I don't think Hillary Clinton is beholden to Wall Street interests per se, uh, and I'm a little skeptical of of uh, Bernie on that point, but I'm also skeptic of Hillary bringing up uh, the gun debate. I think that trying to attack Sanders' positions on the gun issue are sort of superficial and somewhat irrelevant. 
Yeah, not really strategically sound at this juncture either because uh, who are you going to pick up with, with – that's not the time for that argument. Uh, it's interesting, by the way, that when you look at the gun issue, there's been plenty of evidence that actually the percentage of households in America that own guns has gone way down, even though apparently Barack Obama has been very good for the gun corporations. Well, what that means is that, generally speaking, the American people are backing away from the psychosis of gun violence, but those who are deeply entrenched in it continue to further arm themselves up to the eyeballs. That's what that means, right? Yeah. Fewer households have them, but more guns are being sold. These are people who ultimately, for all we know, may be planning a showdown. Well, this is what's interesting. The Harper's Index, most recent one that I borrowed from the Funny Times, a particularly good issue, by the way, in the February 16 edition of the Funny Times, if you like comics, Mad Magazine style, satire, that sort of thing. They reprint the uh, the Harper's Index from uh, January 2016. Interesting here. Uh, estimated number of firearms in the average U.S. gun-owning ho- household in 1994, 4.5. Today, 8.2. Now, I don't know if people are practicing with their toes. <laughs> uh, last time I checked, many guns take two hands to even fire. Right. So I don't understand how owning eight guns is going to help you. Uh, If you already own one for the car, one for the back of your pants, one for your ankle, and one for the little woman. Yeah, you know, (laughs) one for grandma. (laughs) She's got Alzheimer's. That'll put her out of misery. Uh, And then, of course, it's got the interesting uh, little tidbit about this maximum, minimum number of shooting incidents in the United States in the past year, which the shooter was a dog. Two, in which the shooter was a toddler, 50. Uh, I think that's uh, probably a greater death rate than dying from Ebola. I don't know if yeah. you remember the midterm elections. But more, more Americans are shot by toddlers <laughs> than are killed by Ebola. But Ebola was the big... Weeks and weeks, this media scare. The, the, big, the, the big scare, and it was like the big issue of the 2014 uh, congressional elections. Uh, Obama, by the way, you know, made a comparison to about the rancor, I think was the word that he used in Washington, and this had been a failure of his. I don't particularly view it that way. I think he's bent over backwards to try and improve the political climate in the United States. I'd like to point out that Abraham Lincoln, when he got elected in 1860, he didn't even get 40% of the vote. When he ran for re-election in 1864, he got 55% of the vote, but McClellan, the general that he had fired, (laughs) allegedly because people complained that he wouldn't attack, etc., etc., we don't need to relive the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was was not well-liked by a very, very large segment of the population. And because the Confederacy had seceded, Lincoln didn't have any difficulties winning re-election because McClellan was, frankly, kind of an idiot. In fact, he had to repudiate the party of the Democrats. He had to repudiate the party platform just to run for office that year in 1864. 
But there was plenty of rancor uh, back during the Civil War. Uh, in fact, the rancor was so bad, uh, I think 13 states seceded from the Union. <laughs> and we're still having the rancor. Uh, we're still fighting the Civil War in the United States. That's kind of at the heart of Ted Cruz's strange comment about New York values, whatever that means. It's a sort of a, a nudge against Trump. It's an insinuation that he has New York values, whatever those are. Of course, he's pompous. He's an idiot. And by golly, he may be our next president. <laughs> it's frightening to think this, but Cruz is even dumber than Trump in my book. Scarier, too. Obama's had some other incompletes. I, I think there's been some failures in the area of infrastructure. Why do I mm. mention infrastructure? Hmm. Been paying attention to what's going on in Flint this past week? It's become the national poster boy for infrastructural failure. Infrastructural failure, cost-cutting. Uh, Rick Snyder has obviously mismanaged this to some degree. I wouldn't go so far as urging him to resign. I think that Rick Snyder is basically a good guy, and I think he screwed up. But he's the one that appointed these morons to the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the emergency, the, the, the fiscal management reorganization agency. And why is Flint having these water problems? Well, we know that they switched the source. I don't doubt that the Flint River is polluted. My goodness, let's look at all the manufacturing that's up in that area over the past 150 years of the Industrial Revolution. Of course, there's corrosive chemicals and lead and God course, knows what else in the they water. They knew that. They failed to add the chemicals that were supposed to bring it, in the, it into balance or to make those uh, less likely to end up in the actual pipes that fed into houses. Uh, they just disregarded it. Yeah, and we know that the water treatment uh, facility in Flint is substandard. That's part of the problem. And we know that the environmental uh, regulators uh, appointed by Governor Snyder were not up to the task and didn't quite understand what was going on here. They saved a few bucks for a couple of weeks, but once the citizens of Flint began to e express uh, some concern about the water, uh, there was too many excuses were being made. There was too much inaction. There wasn't a sense, hey, wait a minute. Many people can live without love. Nobody can live without water. Yeah. That's a line from W.H. Auden that I remembered from a movie at the Ann Arbor Film Festival. Um, and, of course, now we have the Michigan National Guard called in to supply drinking water. Now we have a FEMA situation. Well, but what's going to be ignored in all of this hoopla and all the yelling and accusations that are now being made is that this water has been polluted by either industrial neglect and the way corporations operated for hundreds of in the last hundred years pretty much before we began realizing that uh well what was the it was the cleveland river that caught on fire right the cuyahoga river yeah the cuyahoga yeah. in cleveland yep that 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 was so outrageous an event in the late 60s that we created the clean water act we're being told in this election yet again by certain candidates that these are onerous regulations, that this is something we shouldn't be doing 
that Obama has a war on coal because of the Clean Air Act. Well, it's important to remember in this context that it was the Nixon administration that greenlighted the EPA. This is when the Clean Water sure. Act comes in. So if even Nixon can recognize that, whoa, well, environmental management's an important issue. You know, Nixon was no dummy. He was insane and uh, in all likelihood paranoid schizophrenic. But uh, he wasn't an idiot. There's even, by the way, some historical evidence that part of the reason why General Motors moved a lot of their auto uh, production facilities out of Flint was the water. The water was corrosive. Now, these are just simply historical facts that <laughs> kind of got lost in the reorganization of Flint. Well, and I think it's largely attributable to the Emergency manager sure. situation. And here's where I will differ from you, and, and I don't think I can say that I think Governor Snyder is a good guy because I think he's something of a liar because he would always, oh, I don't want to say, well, let the people of Michigan decide whether it's gay marriage or what the emergency manager law is going to be. And the Indecisive, people, certainly. People of Michigan voted, no, thank you. We do not want the emergency manager situation here. They went ahead with it anyway. Uh, so I can understand why people are uh, initiating recall moves and stuff. I just want to point out that uh, a poster that was created by the uh, Michigan uh, State of Michigan uh, Health uh, Organization here, um, this is an online poster for parents in Flint, and this was reprinted in the uh, January 10th Detroit Free Press. And it says in cute, colorful, you know, fun letters, Hey, Flint, it's safe to wash. Picture of a small little white child and a small little black child in a cute little bathtub with a rubber duck. Lead in bathwater will not soak into your skin fast or at high levels. Unfiltered, warm tap water is okay for showers and baths for you and your kids. Just don't let kids drink the bathwater when they play in the tub. Yuck! <laughs> What? This out of, is outrageous. Out of, the, out of the rubber duck? This is outrageous. First of all, ever given a, a small child a bath? You try keeping that water off of their face. Kids love water. There's playing yeah, and splashing. Sure. You're not going to be able to prevent that water from going into the baby's mouth, nose, eyes, etc. Exactly. Um, this is just, and, and knowing that, oh, okay, there's lead in the water, so that's bad. But don't worry. It's okay. This is complete BS. Well, it is. And, and it's been taken down from the website, but uh, the state still has not acknowledged, you know, who put it up, why they put it up, sure. who composed the images. Uh, probably they're looking for a new job today. Well, and Snyder's political career is obviously finished, but why did he, why was he elected? Oh, he's a businessman. Right. And we hear this argument all the time behind these people, behind Donald Trump. Uh, I don't know what kind of a business. He'll make the responsible decisions to make the business more profitable. Right. He'll make America great again. Schools and governments are not for-profit things. They're set up to help people. Yeah. So It's what's, not about making money at the end of the day. What's quite clear about Snyder, and, you know, I, I don't think he'll resign. I'd, I'm indifferent to whether he does resign. Uh, I, I think that the recall is sort of... Uh, it's a little late in the day. I it's pointless it's at this point. Really I don't even know do. who the uh, lieutenant governor is. It's probably somebody even more incompetent. I always say 
Well, well Bill Shooty dragged his feet on investigating, you know, who's culpable in this thing. Well, that, that I'm sure, and <laughs> that's part of the problem here is that we, we clearly have uh, some inaction, some incompetence, some, and, and there was clearly evidence that there were serious problems with this switching of the water mm-hmm. supply. And this, by the way, the, 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 some of the toxins that are in that water may even be connected to agricultural runoff. I'm not exactly sure about the Flint River, like how does it really work. I assume it comes out of the Saginaw Bay uh, one way or another, that it's a tributary s- system. But I did look on the map. It either starts or ends up over in the Thumb area. That's known to have a lot of uh, agricultural mm-hmm. activity. And we've seen, by the way, how heavy runoff from agricultural chemicals uh, polluted Lake Erie a couple of years ago. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that Toledo had to shut down their water. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, for a couple of days because of the algae blooms that were developing and escalating and proliferating because of the organophosphates that were ending up in the Maumee River tributary. There were aerial photographs of Lake Erie that showed that pretty much a quarter of Lake Erie over on the western side of the state that even touches Michigan Mm. had a completely different color than the rest of Lake Erie from the agricultural runoff. These are serious environmental problems that this country has to deal with. The infrastructure problems are real. And, of course, we've seen in Flint with this lead situation, is this in the water? Is this in the pipes? There's still a lot of unknowns here. Yeah, in fact, they're still uncertain as to whether or not the uh, increase, uh, statistically pretty dramatic, of uh, occurrences of Legionnaire's disease in Genesee County— uh, are attributable to the water. Yet another bizarre thing involved with the situation in Flint. Um, well, you know, Snyder couldn't handle the situation. He calls Obama. <laughs> and, of course, the distinction there is uh, it can't be deemed a uh, disaster uh, regarding uh, assignation of federal monies because it is a man-made disaster and not a natural disaster. Precisely. So there will be uh, some degree of funding uh, to assist, but this is, and let's face it, it, that's what it is. It's a man-made disaster. Okay, well, we are out of time here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'd like to thank uh, Andrew for engineering this evening. One final little factoid as we go out in Yazoo City Calling comes over, uh, takes over a number of chemicals in the WHO that has been evaluated for carcinogenic potential since 1971, 985, number that has been found probably not carcinogenic, one. Yikes. That's Smith Casey in the background with the East Texas Rag telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues 
and early urban blues performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. This particular track, recorded in September 1929 for the OK label, done by Smith Casey, found on the Catfish collection of classic.